while your day is winding down, they're just getting started. This is South Coast Tonight with Chris McCarthy and Marcus Farrow. They've got you covered on all the news of the day, from local issues to politics on both sides of the aisle. This is the place where the movers and shakers come to be heard, to listen, and where they're held accountable. This is South Coast Tonight on WBSM. Welcome to South Coast tonight. I'm Chris McCarthy, and as always, Marcus Farrell is here. And we'll be taking your phone calls tonight at 508-996-0500. Guys, it's Friday. It's kind of open phones. Uh, Marks and I'll be kicking around some topics. We'd love to hear what you have to say as well. Friday night shows are my favorite. Marcus I've loves o- the Friday night I've only shows. wanted to do that, but they told me I had to do the other four to get the Friday night show. <laughs> So I hope you've all appreciated what I've sacrificed for this for this night. So um, Marcus and I have um, it's always a um, a joy as we're putting this show together. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of the things we we always factor in is you guys, right? We always factor in that you guys at home may be looking to call. You may have something on your mind specifically. Mm-hmm. So and it's always a wild card. It really is. Yeah. We, we, I think we happen to have the best audience. Oh, of course we do. I know we share them with some of the other hosts around the dial. I know we share them with some of the other hosts here at WBSM. But tonight they're our audience, yeah. right? <laughs> and, um, and they're going to, um, to please or displease us as only our audience can. I want to, we had, it was such a great week of guests that I want to kind of like, do a do just start like with the, sort of like a a retrospective a retrospective right, let's like look, yeah let's let, let, let's look not back. that anyone died but. let's yeah let's look back at um the great week of guests that we had here and uh first we started with congressman keating on monday right that was a good very good interview yeah that was a good interview he talked about martha's vineyard obviously he represents martha's vineyard in congress uh we talked about uh ukraine um the nuclear energy stuff was really interesting it got me doing homework yeah exactly right? <laughs> uh diana Desaglio, a candidate for uh auditor called in uh on tuesday um who she she actually had some interesting really interesting policy proposals the audit the legislator thing if she wins is going to be fun for us to talk about because yes. that's going straight to the SJC and and um and she also had a she also had an interesting uh proposal for an audit that hasn't been done that should be done that can sort of help people uh save on property taxes really? so yeah yeah so 
It was interesting. And then she gave me that BS about, you know, believing in candidate equity and wanting to debate five people, you know, having five candidates on the stage. But um, she, she had me right up until then. I right. Yeah, she's she's great. I, I I like she's a great guest. I like having her on. Obviously, she's a fantastic campaigner. I like I really like some of her her policy proposals. And I like and I think she has good explanations behind them. You know, there's there's a lot there. But I, I, I do not like that. Uh, that maneuver. I get and by it. The way, I don't think like she needs it. I don't think she does either. You know, that that's the thing that I think um, sometimes the people that you surround yourself in a campaign, your team um, isn't always making the right decisions. They're not the elected official. Right. I mean, she's the one who's gotten elected yeah. time and time again. Yeah. She's the one who just won that primary, yeah. not her team. Yeah. And um, so for these people to be advising her that she ought to be in this big, giant debate, I, I don't think she needs it at all. I really don't. Um. No, I think it like denigrates the office that she's trying to run for. So, uh, but she's still a great guest. I, I like having her on. She, she like she enjoys coming on. So, um, Wednesday we had Lisa Kashinsky and Ted Nisi. That was awesome. That was good. Yeah, very good. And on and yesterday, uh, Jake Ventura to talk about the um, sort of the what's probably the last for now, the last sort of. Um, act in this saga of whether or not Dartmouth will keep their Indian logo. Right. And I thought it was really good um, conversation because... And the logo's been there for how long, Marcus? Uh, well, that specific logo was drawn by uh, a tribal member, Clyde Andrews, and it was in 1972, right. which has been, yeah, I think... He said 50, or 1973 maybe, so it's been about 50 years that that specific logo has been there. And, uh, you know, Jake, I think, made a point that not a single um, member, uh, tribal member in that logo, since that logo's existence, has ever complained right. at all right. about uh, about the Dartmouth logo. He talked about some of the legislation in the state house, and, um, you know, some to do outright bans of uh, outright bans of the uh, of the log- uh, of of Indian representation in athletics, right, or, or native indigenous people, whatever you want to call. It. Um, he preferred Jake was fine with the term Indian, but he said uh, what's better is uh, ha- doing what Dartmouth did, which he described as a partnership with tribal members to make something that's respectful. You know, okay. because to get rid of the Dartmouth Indians is to get rid of rid of. Um, you know, is basically an erasure of their, you know, their their culture and their presence there. So, like, I, Marcus, I always thought, for instance, the Dartmouth Indian was a much different presentation than, let's say, the Cleveland Indian. Yeah. I mean, one is a caricature, mm-hmm. and the other one is a profile of a warrior. And was made, and it, it was made specifically to be more uh, accurate to an Eastern Woodland Indian. Yeah. No, yeah. I mean, I mean, I mean, I never. I never saw why anyone would be anything but uh, appreciative of that. Yeah, moment. well, you know, some people um, are super sensitive. It's not even sensitive because it's like it's 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 like it's not even offending them personally because nope. they don't even belong to the they don't even belong to the subgroup that that uh, actually or the group that actually should be offended by it. They just felt as though that there was a righteous crusade of theirs, and it failed miserably. But and they uh, ought to be not let off the hook for it. I agree. I mean, not to say that you shouldn't persist with it if, as long as they don't want it. Yeah, I just don't think people should. It's, 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 they, but it was, a, it was an unnecessary um, cultural, attempted cultural upheaval for no reason. Yeah. 
at a time when people were getting along. It was an attempt to divide people. It was yeah. really, really transparent. And people actually united against um, the that that effort. Right. So. Uh, I guess uh, you know. But I thought Jake was always. I always liked Jake. I yeah, J- Jake. Guest, Jake yeah. was good. And then uh, Julian Sear called in, and he was he he was good too. You know, he, he learned a few things uh, talking to Senator Sear. Senator Sear, of course, is from Truro. He represents the Cape and Islands uh, in uh, on Beacon Hill. And they wrote, wrote a uh, they wrote a letter to. They had done that either earlier that day or the day before. Wrote a letter to the DOJ, Merrick Gar, uh, him along with Rep. Fernandes, who is the rep that represents the islands. They wrote a letter to the DOJ asking uh, asking Rachel Rollins and Merrick Garland to investigate the um, the whole migrant transport situation. And I said to Senator Sear, I said. It's kind of a tall order to ask people. It's kind of a tall order to return an indictment on a sitting governor. Right. And he was just kind of like, you know, he, he didn't say one way or the other. He said, well, listen, we think that there was some um, obviously they were, you know, induced there. They were they were induced to go on that plane under fraudulent circumstances. There were constitutional rights violated. There might have been uh, somebody along the way that was uh engaged in criminal activity whether it be the governor himself or not so you know we what we want to say is let the doj investigate it and if there's indictments then they'll handle the indictments you know he's like and, and, and i don't think i don't think he's a lawyer anyway so and i am and i wouldn't I, it's a it's an area of law that i'm not you know well versed on i don't think a lot of people are right so um uh so he was good he talked about about martha's vineyard too um you know the responses he actually said which i thought was interesting is that uh, there have been some, at least some of the migrants have job offers uh, for, um, I guess, that at least the summer, um, job offers and housing offers um, on the island. So he, he anticipates some of those 50 migrants will return to the they'll, island. They'll migrate back to they'll the migrate, island. They'll, they'll migrate back to the island. So I thought it was a, it was a really interesting interview. Um, and... Um, and now we're here. So the um, the questions, obviously, there are many of them um, regarding this, this movement of the migrants uh, from state to state. And I don't think that the opponents of DeSantis should hang their hat on it um, and think, I think the overall situation uh, turned out pretty well. Um, my one question still, Marcus, is why are the National Guardsmen carrying weapons and who authorized it? Um, that is a major question in my mind. Do we know that these people actually even are Venezuelans? No, I know. I, I, I mean, really, I don't know what we know about these people. I Again, it sticks out at me just from experience that since Ken State, we don't let mass... We don't let National Guardsmen carry Explain weapons. what Kent State is yeah. for everybody. Kent State was the shooting of students. First, some, someone shot at the National Guard in Ohio, 1972. The Ohio National Guard returned fire and killed, I think, seven. Yeah. Four, four, four dead in Ohio. Four dead. Yeah. Four dead students. Um, and since then, basically, no National Guard units carry weapons, loaded weapons, around civilian populations, except in extraordinary circumstances. So 
some of that may have changed since 9-11. Mm-hmm. And I got out, I got out of the military before 9-11. Right. But I still know that it's not because accidents happen, because things can happen. It's, it's a restricted use what of it, weapons. Was it perhaps a... When you saw the pictures of the of them carrying weapons, where where was it? Was it at Camp Edwards? Was it at, okay? It was because I was wondering. I was wondering, is it protection of them? I thought and that's not what from I thought. Them? I thought no, no. I agree. Okay. I thought it might be that again. Because if they're if they, especially if they're if they're asylees, maybe it's maybe it's protection of them and not from them. So at various times, Camp Edwards, Otis Air Force Base, has been an open post. Mm-hmm. So when I was there, it was an open post. Because there's, the, there's a burial ground, people can come and go without okay. having to be have a reason to be there yeah. in, in advance, right? Um, but I would think at this time, with the migrants, they would just shut the gates down, okay? Yeah. And limit access to the base. Well, but, they, they've gone through steps to make sure that their names haven't been released, actually. Right. Yeah. So... Um, they they have a court order to that effect. When I saw the weapons, I thought to myself, just what you're saying, is that to protect them from possibly people coming in from the outside? Um, or is that, we're not sure who these people are, yeah. so we're going to err on the side of caution. Um, they, they, we may find out these people want to leave. They don't yeah. want to be here. They may realize we're on a military base. You know, they may... It, they didn't get there under the best of circumstances, right? right? And so in an effort not to – and also sometimes a show of force is enough, yeah. right? That if you look, you go, hey, the guy's got a gun, he's got a nightstick. I'll ask him a question. I'm not going to bother him, right? Um, I'm not going to try to charge him or do anything like that. Outside person or one of, the, say, the migrants. So it may be that the, that the commander of the uh, National Guard said, let's arm him up. Yeah. For that reason, right? right? Um, but again, I, I did stick out to me. Um, and um, it'll be interesting to see where this all ends up. We had um, Mayor Mitchell has, has made made a, a few more offers, right, on this? Yeah, so, you know, Hugh Dunn came in last Friday. He had said basically, you know, he had made a proposal. And it's consistent with stuff he had called for uh, before. Um, he wanted to at least try if we weren't able to facilitate some sort of housing or, or, or situation like that, he would at least want to try to matriculate the students into English language learning classes remotely. Right. And so he said, you know, there's, you know, there's, there's, there were children on this, uh, on these flights. Let's try to at least at the very least try to help them out by uh, having access to, you know, the robust English, English language learning program that we have at uh, New Bedford high. Now the weekend had passed. He was still to the, he was up until, I guess, Wednesday, the only city official to actually say anything publicly on the matter right. um, that was of substance, you know. And then the mayor did, to his credit, say, you know, we've talked with MEMA, the Mass Emergency Management um, uh, Agency. We've talked with MEMA. We've, uh, you know, basically said, you know, more or less we've raised our hand. Right. Uh, in, that's a good way to put it. Yeah, yeah we've raised our hand in... In uh, you know, trying to make uh, making some availability uh, to some of the families or the, the that uh, that may need a relocation, he talked about what we had talked about: the six uh, Afghan families that had been relocated in New Bedford after the fallout of the uh, withdrawal from the Afghanistan war. And he said that was a moment that I was really proud 
of the city. So it's something that he seems to uh, believe in. So, Marcus, um, I was listening to Ian Abram today, and um, he said something that um, that Hugh Dunn said in a different way, and that I think Mayor Mitchell has said as well, which is housing is not something we, we have an excess amount of, yeah. right? Um, but I do want to take make one distinction here. Um, not to insult our indigenous homeless, but that's a different population than yeah. migrants. Yeah. Okay. The reason the migrants are need home or need housing yeah. is because they left their country and they came to a country without resources. Yes. Okay. That, so that's a different set of. It's not a set. It's not. It's it's not easy, but it's a different set of problems. Right. Again, not to insult our indigenous homeless, but our our, our pure blood American homeless, but. <laughs> But many of them are on the streets because they have other problems, not because they don't have resources. Yes. It's because they vacuumed up the resources or they burned relationships. It's drugs, Typic- it's alcohol, it's mental illness yeah, in it's most a, cases. Typically mental illness, yes. right? Someone's aff- afflicted, uh, afflicted by mental illness, which right. makes uh, a situation where you find suitable housing difficult. Now, this doesn't mean... That they shouldn't have a home, right? But the housing, the the manner in which the you would, solution is the much solu- different. The solution's different, exactly. The so solution's much different. When, when you say, "Well, we got a unit of housing over there," yeah, that could be for migrants or it could be for the native-born homeless. That's not necessarily the case. Yes, right. Um, our services are needed for both populations, but the services are likely very different. Yeah. For what the migrants need, the migrants probably need a roadmap and some translation, right? right? Whereas your indigenous homeless person might need a medication schedule. Right, and and there's also, like, ability to pay if it's a, a vacant, like, private un- unit. The migrants at, at, at some juncture would probably have the ability to pay because they'd be able to, to work. Whereas, yes, yes. Whereas someone who might be homeless might need a... Uh, a public assistance program to exactly, transition right? them into housing. Right. Yeah. So, and it, Again, so it's not... It's still, it's still like, you know, an indictment of the limited resources that, you know, we have in the Commonwealth and in general, right, but, but it's but still a different... Right, but when you're attempting to solve problems, you've got to first identify the problem, right? Yeah. And so it's not like if we move the migrants here to New Bedford, which is not, not something that's being proposed... Um, that we're going to kick out people out of their houses or, or, or kick or bump the list for, yeah. for some guy who is a homeless person now. Now he's going to remain homeless. Yeah. That's just not the discussion. That's not the discussion. No. Um, it is, um, quite frankly, um, the migrants, as compared to our indigenous-born, uh, purebred American homeless, are probably easier to house. Yeah. They probably are. Yeah. Um, easier to find a solution for. Assuming they don't come with the problems that our native-born indigenous homeless have as well, which which we won't know anyway until a, an individual case-by-case basis is made. Yeah. My point being is that the competition for resources is obvious, but it's not like... As one on one as people, it's people a different mentioned. means of facilitating yes. each problem, and so you're not you're not basically, you know, uh, robbing Peter to pay Paul. There you go. I and, think that's a better way to. Put yeah, you're not robbing Peter to pay Paul. You're just trying to figure out like that's that's a different that's a different currency. Totally different. It's a, problem, it's a right? different currency. Right. Yeah. Exactly. So, 
Um, so, you know, and, and there's some resource, you know, you get Sister Roses and all that. There's some resources that are available for those situations, but that is a little bit different to get housing for somebody, you know, that has the ability to pay and all of that. And I, you know, again, there's a broader conversation there about, is, there is, but, but we're not, we're not talking but about for the, that. But for the purposes of, of what's going on today, the, yeah, it is the indigenous people are indigenous homeless, um, they have a certain set of, re- of uh, needs um, that are individualized, much different than the migrants. Yes. 508-996-0500 is how you can get on the program. Good evening. You're live. Good evening, fellas. Hey, what's uh, going on? What's up? How are you? Um, don't you think we kind of moved past sort of the first level of homelessness in America, which as much as um, it's bad in other parts of the country... It seems to be a bit more manageable here in Massachusetts. And now we're going into the second level, sort of, I would refer to it as, where you and I know people who are elderly or or low income yes. that are can't afford to find a place. And yeah. they can't afford to, and they have to rely on the government. So um, to me, that's where kind of some of the outrage is coming from when the mayor says, sure, bring them in. We'll help them out. You know, again, but 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 again, it's it's still a matter of like, are you trying to find some sort of um, like a Melville Towers type situation? Because that's not something even uh, um, a lot of migrants would even be eligible for. So I, I think what the caller is saying, it's something I, it's funny, Mark. I was thinking about this today is that your standard issue homeless that we see on the street. That's not what I don't. The caller's not talking about what he's talking about. The people who are, who are on the couch, yeah, right? You know, yeah, but or who my, are in a relative's home already. But they are not. My in point their own is, home. It's, yeah. it's, it's a different. It's still a, you still got to address that problem a, a different way in a lot of circumstances than right. than just housing more but, younger, right. able-bodied migrants who are able to work and afford a regular apartment. Right. We but can. If, yes. If yes. they're coming, if they're coming into this community, every time someone comes into this community. It puts the pressure up just a little bit more, right? You know, it yeah, it, it, it cranks the pressure up, and at a point, it's going to explode. And why would you add to the the problem um, by by saying, "Listen, we're open arms," you know? And that's that's why I think people have had it, and are not a lot, not um, everybody. But if you but, but if you find someone people, a job in a in a place and they and they pay rent, I, I, again, it's. You know, I don't see how that's different than 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 an American moving to New Bedford, finding a job, pay, uh, finding a place, and paying rent. So, caller, I would, I would say this: that one of the things that I that I see behind the strategy of volunteering, like Mayor Mitchell did, specific resources, or like Hugh Dunn did, specific resources, is that you're doing something and you're controlling it. You're not leaving yourself wide open to have the federal government come in and say, we want you to do X, Y, and Z, even if you can't do it. Um, I well, think there's, I, there, there is a I strategy to being proactive. Yeah. But I, I would also say the, the people that run the state have carefully built up certain towns and cities to be magnets. And yes. they've done that by uh, pumping uh, 5013C monies into certain areas um, and cre- you know, and we've seen a huge rise in the number of of uh, people helping people groups. Nothing, not talking down to them, but that's what they are. They're, they they exist specifically for charitable reasons, reasoning. Um, and they're not putting them in Boston. They're not putting them in Mattapoisett or Marion or or in Peyton Aram. They're putting them in New Bedford and 
Fall River, Brockton, and Springfield. It's true. So can- it's that's true. They are moving them out of the Boston area. Um, I can tell you that. Just because I, I like this stuff, I was going back to reading old legislation uh, back in the 1940s where, where the housing development now known as uh, Presidential Heights is, okay, up the yep. north end, right? Presidential, all the streets are named for presidents off of Mount Pleasant Street. That was originally slated for a hospital. That was going to be a community hospital, that land. And in the 1940s, they transferred it to become a housing development. Um, so there were different priorities, obviously. But, but that was for World War II people, too, wasn't it? Wasn't it to take care of the soldiers coming back from the war, many of those projects? Yes, yes. The, those projects were. And, um, but, but it's very interesting because you can see with a legislation where what was originally land owned by the state or had oversight by the state for a community hospital like Parkwood, which is gone now, or, or Union Hospital, which is gone now, um, yeah. was, was transferred to make into affordable housing development. So um, th- there's no doubt about it when you say that there has been a plan. This stuff didn't just happen. It was done with legislation, big money, f- big federal money, plans, plans to, to add additional uh, working class or non-working class poor people to the new Bedford Farva area. That was absolutely Wait, done and look, continues. Look at downtown. Every, every building they're building down there now with new housing, they, every one of them has their handout to the, the city or, or the taxpayer. None of those are just private um, private buildings where they're going to try to uh, rent them at market rate. They're, they're, they're all getting deals from the taxpayer. And, and why is that continually happening in New Bedford? But it's not happening in many other places. And that goes back um, to the point of bringing it, people in is bringing... The- um, outrage from uh, there's a lot of there's a lot of communities that are actually far ahead of New Bedford in 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 in, uh, in taking uh, you know basically Ooh. deals from mass development and in building market rate housing or affordable oh, no, housing no, affordable housing affordable housing yeah yeah well, market rate sure yeah yeah but there's nobody be- there's nobody that has more affordable housing than New Bedford there's nobody that has more affordable housing I mean market rate housing is a percentage we're, of the available rentals no yeah we're market rate housing is we're we're pretty we're pretty well behind everybody else, I think. Right, but, aff- right, but affordable housing. Like, I thought we were talking about market rate housing. No, no. He, well, he, what he's saying is that all the aff- housing being built downtown now has an affordable component, which which right. hits the taxpayers. And that's that's New Bedford. Uh, you know, I don't see too much of that in Marion or, 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 or other towns. And I'm not just picking on Marion. No, I understand. One of the local ones. But, but the point is, we are constantly in this area asked to, to, to take the burden and we, we saw that. You know, look how quickly they, they got all panicked on the, the stupid Martha's Vineyard and had to get the National Guard in to move them off there. And I wouldn't now, say, I wouldn't, I mean, I wouldn't call it panicked. I mean, it, it seemed to, it seemed they to were be. off in 36 hours. Again, you know, on. we've talked about that, right? We've talked, we've, we've talked about that. That's not a panic. It's putting them in a, uh, a much better position than they were if they had just been marooned on Martha's Vineyard. It, it's not panicked. I think that's a liberal fantasy. No, I think it's a. Look- I, I, I think it's a narrative that that um, that DeSantis is effectively trying to spin that they kicked them off the island because they were too panicked to to, to handle them. I uh, again, joint, joint 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 base Cape Cod is joint base Cape Cod is has historically been a place where people um, in those circumstances have found suitable uh, shelter until they're able to be relocated somewhere somewhere where they can have a job and regular housing and all of that. So I don't I don't understand. They send the National Guard to do it. They three three to one. I think it wasn't. They were armed. 
The I mean, National Guard on. piece is interesting. Yeah, they did. They, well, what else? I mean, what else were they supposed supposed to do? Like, how are they going to mobilize that without the National Guard? The National Guard handles a lot of, you know, immediate Armed response on 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 supposedly peaceful immigrants that are. So, are you suggesting that they're? Are you suggesting that they're not? As I said, as I said earlier. I'm, I'm fascinated by the fact that the National Guard but, is on. But, I'm but, fascinated well, by but, it. But we've had the National Guard respond respond to unexpected situations in which, like, a, a state response is, is needed. A, the weapons is a big deal. There's a reason when they had the, the weapons. I, I we, can only, we can only speculate. I, I know. Yeah. But, but, well, but you only bring I'm a weapon for one reason, Marcus. There were some liberals that made some calls, and they got some pretty quick work over there. Sorry. I know you don't like that, but that's, that leads to the outrage. You know, the, the left's playing dumb on this. Sorry, but... They are. I still like you. I still listen to your show every <laughs> night. You aggravate me when I fall asleep, but uh, have a good night, fellas. Take care. Thanks. Have a good one. Like I said, I mean, you know, we again, as I'm telling you, it, it is an anomaly to have the National Guard with loaded handguns, um, which they did have. And I, I'm curious why that is. It could be outside agitators. It could it be, could be outside ag- agitators. Because, could be inside you know, agitators. I was reading in the Martha's Vineyard Times uh, that they're like people are. You know, there's a lot of invective uh, going out towards Islanders yes. now, right? Someone actually paid to fly a plane with one of those banners that said Vineyard Hypocrites on it. Right. Uh, one of my friends who owns a hotel uh, on uh, in Oak Bluffs I saw in the paper uh, said he, he said people were calling to yell at him about the situation, right? And, and so, like, there's a lot of... Um, there's a lot of uh, you know nasty comments on the Martha's Vineyard Times website in particular. Right. So there's a lot of invective towards people, and I think the politically how politically charged this is might have to play into it. Again, it might be an outside threat, not an inside well, one. So, so I think that that is is um, you know as we talked about right before that caller, um, that has got to be factored into this. That that the general who made the made the call uh, to give them weapons said, "I'd rather have my soldiers out there with a weapon, uh, which keeps troublemakers at bay." Yeah, you don't have to do anything. Usually, if usually people get pretty smart or yeah. they pause when they see a soldier with a weapon, um, and I don't mean the, I don't mean the Venezuelans. Um, they're they're used to seeing soldiers, right? They recognize a soldier. They recognize a uniform. They recognize that. But an American who may be out there to cause trouble comes on the base, which is pretty wide open. Particularly, there are trails. There's all kinds of stuff to get on that base. Four yeah. wheelers. All kinds I stayed of there for a week. Did you? Yeah, uh, football camp. The um, they have um, – it's one of the coolest places in the world for rappelling. Oh, is it? They have a great rappelling tower. It's where I learned to rappel face first. Australian <laughs> rappel, where you no look kidding. at the ground as you run down. Wow. That, that's fun stuff. Those are those days. But anyway. We're going to take a break. All right. We'll be right back, folks. Welcome back to the show. So, Marcus, um, the um, – before we, before we move off the uh, Ron DeSantis subject, I do have to say again that – as we talked about with Ted Nisi, as we talked about with Lisa Krasinski, as you and I have talked about ad nauseum, whatever you think of this stunt, he was able to move illegal immigration or migrant immigration and, and the relocation and sanctuary cities 
from the back page to the front page. Mm-hmm. He even bumped the dying queen off the front page of CNN. Well, it's a more constructive conversation than the dying queen anyway. <laughs> I've never understood it. Well, they knew who that was going to end, so it's an easier easier conversation. Yeah, to, right. F- for the screenwriters. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but um, CNN co- covered it breathlessly. I, I, I saw Jake Tapper, um, you know, say, oh, look, her corgis were there watching her get buried. Like, whatever. So yeah. the, the, what was similar to her story and the migrant story was that it was a good location to go to do the story which i think is the other <laughs> yeah. reason why DeSantis yeah. was smart to pick the vineyard if he picked the vineyard in december if he picked the vineyard in march no coverage yeah. right if you picked the queen of thailand well thailand's a pretty good country but my point being is that going to london for the funeral is going to draw a lot of press right yeah so sending the last weekend of the summer to the vineyard Drew a lot of national press, um, which I think was a genius part of DeSantis, which is why you're probably not – even though you got all the press in New York already, it wasn't as much of a story to them. It didn't get as much coverage, certainly not Well, New York's also a place that's – I mean, New York's also a place that's seen it. I mean, I think uh, part of it is the perception of Martha's Vineyard as a place that's like very, very white and all of that. You know, I had Senator – when Senator Sears said is. They had a a 20% population increase in the last 10 years, and most of it was driven by uh, immigrants and and migrant labor and all of that. But I think it's the perception. New York is often seen as sort of like, you know, a a place where uh, there's a lot of, uh, you know, immigration. It absolutely is that kind of place. Because it is, right? Right, right. right. And Martha's Vineyard, again, as you you said, is seen as like a bucolic summer paradise. Right, right. And the the fact that it went the way DeSantis wanted – um, there were a lot of there were a lot of pieces to that that had to fall into place. I think he got lucky. He planned well, but in some respects, he got lucky as well because uh, it could have gone horribly bad. Yeah, no, he was very lucky. Charlie Baker stepped in. Yeah, right. I think he was very lucky. Charlie Baker stepped in because let's. I know people are saying that the Vineyard people complained and wanted him off the island. Charlie Baker grabbed them and pulled, moved them off. Charlie the Baker made the announcement almost immediately right. after, like when that happened, like we're removing them to Joint Base Cape Cod. Right. Yeah. Right, which was the logical, responsible thing to do. Yeah, absolutely. You know? All right, 508-996-0500. Let's actually take a break. Right, we'll be, be right back, back, folks. 1420 WB. Welcome back. I'm Chris McCarthy. Of course, as always, Marcus Farrow is here, and this is South Coast Tonight. Hey. Hey. So, Marcus, we've got some ballot questions. We've got some ballot questions. How many? Yeah, but there's a couple. That there's So, of course, there's question four, which is the big one. That's the immigration one. Yep. The driver's, the driver's license. license bill. Then there's question one. That's the income tax. Fair share amendment. Fair share in- amendment. Um, those are the really two big ones, I the think. The other ones are, I mean, so we'll, we'll talk more about this in the next hour. The other ones are the um, something with dentistry. Okay. <laughs> Like, I'm serious. Herbie wants to be a dentist. Yeah, something. So, yeah, it's right. finally Herbie can be a dentist. Yeah, yeah. Know. Something with dentistry. And the other one is something with cars. So right? they put out a ballot question book. And Barry Richard wrote a story on this earlier. They omitted question four. They didn't omit it. It, it, it said in the specifically in the in the in the in the ballot book that any question that may appear on the ballot before the thing went to print july 6th would wasn't going to appear there and that was a last ditch effort by by jeff deal and whoever to, to get that to get that question on the ballot so you're saying they couldn't have waited hmm 
They didn't. Why? Who, who put the bullet, who put the ballot book out? Galvin. Yeah, I believe so. Yeah. So Galvin didn't want to wait till question four got settled. Maybe. Well, the taxpayers are going to have to pay for another printing now. Are they? I would assume so. You can't have a ballot question with no information except well, the what the proponents and, and opponents are saying. Well, they said because um, in the in the column it said basically, you know, it was like any you know there may be other ballot questions that appear afterwards, and I haven't seen other ballot question books to compare because that might be a standard thing. I just think that 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 it's um, for normally a. Great job by Bill Galvin, who I plan on voting for uh, in November. And I, I voted for him, and I voted for him for, for decades. Uh, I think Galvin yeah. does a hell of a job. I'm shocked that this one got past him. Um, the um, I would like to see all angles of these questions examined. I've always thought those ballot question books were very, very productive. Yeah. Really a good use of the Secretary of State's office resources. Um, they've always been straight down the line. Um, legitimate on both sides. They do a good job to make it a neutral um, position on the question. And so I think question four of all the questions should be really there. should be represented yeah. there because there are good points on both sides. No, I don't and, think I don't think there is on both sides. I think there's good points on one side. So that's why you need to read this book. Right? <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> See, that's so, why so, you need so to read So the there's book. one side. It's like this is a public safety issue. People will be trained to drive on the road. It'll be safer for everybody. The other side is, but they're illegals. So that's that's the other side of the argument. So, well, the other, the other side of the argument is, is, is that you might not want to give an incentive. But they're illegals. You might not want to create an incentive that other states don't have to attract the uh, illegal aliens to your state. That sounds like a, a just a, a restatement of what I just said. But they're illegals. Well, but but it's a, it's a, it's a very legitimate point out to the voters. Um, but we're going to find out because the voters ultimately. It sounds like an um, yeah. Like I said, I feel like a lot of those arguments are emotional. But they're illegal. It's, it's it's not emotional. It feels emotional. Well, I'm sorry. That's because you're more of a woman than I am. You 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 you're more of emotional than I am. I'm just telling you that when you create an incentive, an economic incentive, you're going to get certain behaviors, right? So if New Hampshire doesn't give this very important economic incentive, there's no way to to really function as a fully formed adult without a driver's license in the Northeast these days, in my opinion. Um, right. If you live in New Hampshire and you're an illegal alien, you'd much rather live in Lawrence or New Bedford now because they're going to give you a driver's license. That's an economic incentive. Right. It's not emotional at all. It simply makes it more more reasonable to exist illegally in Massachusetts okay. than it does in New Bedford. So it does in New Bedford than, okay. say, the, the seacoast of New Hampshire or Maine. States that don't that don't offer that so, incentive. Well, let's say we get an influx of people coming in to one fill the you know fill the job vacancies that are open. Uh, they have a driver's license. They're participating in the economy. They have a tax ID number. They're paying taxes. I fail to see the problem. And then they break your union. See, the fact is, you don't do manual labor, so you're not at risk to lose your job to an illegal alien. No, but I mean. That's why you don't feel the same pressure that some of our people in our audience. I, yeah, do. but but I mean, I'd like to see the other states in which this this law this. No, but you understand what I'm saying, right? I get what you're saying, but th- you're in a licensed profession. You're you're right. you were smart. Yes, you you went to law school. You got a license. Yeah, illegal but, aliens can't get that. Yeah, license. but but the states that I mean, in the, you want to? Let me ask you a question. Do you think it would be okay if illegal aliens could get law licenses, even if they're here illegally? Yeah, I don't care. Why would I care? I think you should think about that. Why? Don't you understand what law licenses work? You know how hard it is to get a law license 
It's hard. You're saying they can't so get if someone, it? So, no, no. I'm saying they, if they can, good for them because it's really hard. You got to go through four years of college, three years of law school. You got to pass the – you got to get a good score yeah, in the LSATs. You got to get uh, good good grades in under, undergraduate. You've got to get uh, – you have to pass yeah, that's the bar the exam. standard now. Right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's, no, that's the standard. standard now. It's not that's ch- not an unfair standard. Right. If you're an illegal alien, you don't have that opportunity. That's an unfair standard. Right, but, but it's not like they're going to get – they, but they have That's to get, my point. You're but, saying you know, no, 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 no. Hold on, hold on, hold on. You're, you're assuming, but you're saying that they're they're only going to be able to get the license like under a different way that we get our driver's licenses. No, the, if the standard's the same, why would I care? If the driver's license is the same, if we have to do the same, if they have to do the same things I did to get my driver's license, if they have to do, actually, it's harder to get your driver's license now than, than it was when we got our driver's license. If they have to do the same thing then, if we, it just it's the same thing with the law license. If they do the same thing that I did to get my law license, why would I care? But you know that they can't. Well, if they could, I, I, I but would they be, can't. I mean, let's be honest. They can't. Why not? <sighs> How could an illegal alien have the same educational opportunities as you did? I mean, that's on you. You're not going to really argue that point, right? You can go to public. You can go to public. Uh, I mean, I went through all public institutions from undergraduate and graduate school. Um, but so how could they could, do that from Ecuador? <laughs> how you could they from do that from, from El Salvador? Would they, they would have had to have been that here. Doesn't, yeah, they'd have to be here. Right. Right, but they're not here. Okay. And when they get here, they have to start all their education over again? Oh, you're talking about reciprocity? I'm just saying that. I, I, I'm saying that there's no way. If you're talking about reciprocity, that's different because actually there are certain states that don't require you to go to law school to get your law license. And we have reciprocity with those states. So again, if they're qualified, if they are qualified uh, attorneys, I don't care. Like, I, I don't care. Why would I care? All right. But, oh, we got to take a break. All right. <laughs> the New England Patriots are back. I mean, I don't know. Um, we fam- got 10 seconds. It's <laughs> a famous lawyer. The Everyone knows his name. Jeep, as I Jose Baez? Not Jose Baez. He, was a, he just died. Long hair, New York guy. Cunt. 